Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hashtag no music, no intro. We are so excited to have our this guest on our podcast. Uh, if, if you have been a Saints fan, I'm sure you, in, in just passing, you've seen interviews that he, he's done in the past with Drew Brees, one-on-one post-game interviews. We have Mike Neighbors, the author of The Breeze Way, um, a, a compilation of going through Breeze, Breeze's career as a saint and career as a whole. And there's probably anyone who hasn't that doesn't know Drew, Drew better in terms of just getting to speak to him after every game. Mike, thank you so much. Uh, I said this off offline before we start recording, uh, but Ryan and I sincerely thank you for providing us a copy of the Breezeway. Of the Breezeway, if you're a listener, please, please seek it out. It's a great read. Like I told Mike earlier, I've read it all the way through once. I plan this summer to read it all the all the way a second time. Thanks for coming on hashtag Saints Twitter podcast, Mike. It's great to have you on. I feel like I know you guys. We're one big Saints Twitter family, man. So, there you go. Uh, there it through, is. Through the internet, baby. We're uh, we're meeting here, but it's great to talk to your audience too, which I know is a, a very influential one among the Huda Nation. And you know what I've learned, guys? Promoting a book is kind of like the NFL, man. It never ends. Yeah. So with Father's Day coming up, man, you got to buy the Breezeway. So I always found the you know Perfect Mother's Father's Day, Day gift. Yeah, absolutely, man. If you're a Saints fan, go buy the Breezeway, and uh, you can go to my website. Uh, MikeNeighbors.com, and there's all the information there. I'll send you an autographed copy of it too. But if you don't have time for that, uh, it's on Amazon. It's on every bookstore has it. So, uh, but I appreciate you guys having me. We can talk a lot about, about a lot of things here. Uh, no, I'll, 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 okay. go ahead, right? I'm sorry. No, I was just saying I really, I really enjoyed the book. Also, um, it's just it's a perfect book to have sitting on your, you know, your table, you know, at the house, or uh, like me, I like to. You have a couple of books in the bathroom, you know, because get a lot of, you know, just nice peaceful time in the bathroom where I can read <laughs> in peace. Uh, <laughs> but it's perfect for that, man, because, you know, I, I followed you for a long time on Twitter and, you know, your career because I just, I, I don't remember how, maybe I was watching CST and I would see you interview Drew Brees and I was like, man, he interviews Drew Brees every week. Like, this is weird because you win or lost, it, did, it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter. And, it's, you know, usually the quarterback interviews, I mean, does the press conference after a game. You know, maybe if you're lucky, you get like a locker room interview. But he would have, like, Mike, you would have these, you know, nice 10, 15 minute in depth interviews after a game. And it's, it's, it was always a little better than the press conference because. Obviously, at the press conference, they give the kind of packaged answers. But, you know, over the years, you get to see you and him develop a, a relationship to where he gives you some of those insider things that, you know, us fans kind of look for, you know, after a win, after a loss. And, uh, you know, I found it so valuable. I've watched every interview you did with him after every game because I always made sure to go. If I didn't watch it on TV, you always say, you know, have it posted on YouTube to go back and look. You know, I appreciate that, Ryan, because uh... – I remember you tweeted me that uh, after Breeze retired and, you know, when Breeze retired, everybody thought my career was done too. Like, are you done? Are you, uh, are you finished with television? <laughs> so I shouldn't should laugh at that, Mike, but that's, that's low key hilarious. Well, I remember driving uh, to the airport 
after the uh, Bucks loss in the playoffs, Breeze's last game, and a radio guy said that. And I almost, I almost swerved off the road like, come on, man, really? I mean, I, I've enjoyed my time with Drew. But, yeah, it's, it was a great run. And if you read the book, I outline the story of how, you know, it all came together with Drew, and it was very unexpected. But it really was the perfect storm because my first year covering the Saints guys was uh, Peyton's first year, obviously Breeze's first year. They draft Reggie Bush. And it was the horrible preseason and then the magical 2006 season. But we didn't start doing those interviews till 2007. But, you know, I, I thought we would do it for a couple of years. And we ended up doing it for 14 years and almost 300 one-on-ones. And the crazy thing is I didn't know this until after he retired. But I brought him together with my network. And it was a, it was a deal to, to make it happen, obviously. But he, he signed a one-year deal every year for 14 years. And I thought at one point, maybe he signed a three-year deal with us. Interesting. It was a one-year deal every year. So at any point, he could have backed out, and he never did. And I always appreciated that. That, that, is, that is fascinating. It's kind of, you know, no, no jokes, but it's honestly how his career was with the Saints towards the end. It just signed me. Yeah, that's right. One-year <laughs> one deals. This is perfect timing to have you on this this podcast and talking about this and talking about drew um i guess i guess the the perfect place to start is the the hubbub that's kind of percolated this week and i don't i don't know what's official and what's not obviously i don't know I, i'm not 100 sure if andrew marchand uh, reported it first but that you know drew may be on the outs in terms of what his his next bird, you know, next venture in his career was in terms of broadcasting that led to some, some, some tweets from Drew and things like that. And just from your sense of just getting to, to know Drew over the years, what are your thoughts of, of what has kind of transpired within this week? He's not going to play football for the saints. He's not going to play football in the NFL. When you put pickleball on the senior tour and all that, it's just, ridiculous Twitter fodder you know maybe he would have came back uh, last season for one game and humored Sean Payton maybe maybe I doubt that you know we heard that rumor too and he acknowledged he thought about it but he's not playing football here's the deal with Drew and TV guys you know it's been a crazy few years with all the big money and it started with Tony Romo and you know Troy Aikman got a little envious and then Troy, Aikman, Troy Aikman wanted the money and yes. then he ended up getting it. And then they give Tom Brady the money because I think Fox is like, OK, Troy, if you're going to pitch a fit, we'll get the goat. and We'll bring him in here. We'll bring Tom Brady in. And Drew's kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit. And I think, you know, if you look at him and I and this is what I hear behind the scenes, he only wanted to do Notre Dame games for a year. He didn't really want to do studio. He wanted to do play by play. OK, and I think at the time and this is just me. The things that I've heard, Drew hasn't told me any of this, but just things that I know that from the things that I've heard behind the scenes. That I think I think in my mind, Drew was thinking, okay, I'm going to call Notre Dame games for a year. I'm going to do in studio for a year. I'm going to call select NFL games. And then Al Michaels is probably going to move on. They're going to elevate Tariko. I'm going to work with Tariko. And hopefully after proving myself calling these games, they'll move me up with Tariko. And maybe Collinsworth will take a job with Amazon. And I'll be that guy moving forward. Well, as we know now, Collinsworth isn't going anywhere. Kirk Herbstreet's at Amazon. Al Michaels at Amazon. And Drew is back to square one where I don't think he wants to call Notre Dame games anymore. He doesn't want to do studio. He wants to call NFL games. I think he'll wind up at Fox. And I think the mutual part of the NBC deal is for real. I really do. I think they would want him back in studio. I mean, Drew could have been more critical, especially – as an analyst, but it's his first year. I think yeah. I'm so quick to judge guys now. Like I thought Booger McFarlane was really good, frankly. I, I thought they were too quick to push him out. I, Booger McFarlane lives in Tampa. I live in Tampa. I hear him on the radio all the time. I love his – you may not agree with his takes, but he's not afraid to criticize. He's very knowledgeable. He does his homework. But they kind of shoved him out of the booth after one year. But Drew, I think, will go to Fox, in my opinion. But the mutual part – and, and here's the thing, too, guys, with this Twitter post that Drew had. Tom Brady has retired, and he is unretired, and has not had one single press conference. He has controlled the message from day one, okay? Marshad has this NBC report, and I'm sure it's accurate, 
But Drew is looking at Tom Brady, and, and, and it's the world we live in, guys. If you're a modern athlete now, if you're LeBron James, if you're Tom Brady, if you're whomever, you want to control the media. You know why? Because you can. So Drew was trying to control the message a little bit and have some fun. Of course, it gets blown up, but he's not playing football again. I think it was mutual because the reasons I stated, and I think he'll end up at Fox probably in the second tier games. And the good news is, guys, with all the noon games, maybe he's calling a lot of Saints games this year. And, you know, I think you, you get the point directly. It takes time. Uh, I remember, um, I think it was Trent Dilfer saying a long time ago, how he struggled calling games when he first, because it was just so hard to criticize players because they're NFL players. And it's kind of like you're in this little fraternity. Yeah. And you just don't want to put other guys on, because you know how hard it is. You know how hard it is to get up every, you know, to get up to ready to go and play every Sunday and get criticized if you miss a tackle or if you happen to throw up, you know, an errant pass and stuff like that. So he's, he always said it was hard to learn how to criticize guys. But, you know, then you just kind of, once, you, once you're in a game, in the media game for a while, you realize it's just part of the game and you got to do it. So I thought, you know, I thought it would take time for Drew. And, you know, I watched him. I, I tried to listen to him closely. I thought he really did do a really good job calling in the Notre Dame games. I thought yes. he was better at calling college than he was in the, in the pros because mm-hmm. of that familiarity where in college you could kind of criticize these guys and not just criticize, but it's kind of a, it's just a different way of analysis when you uh, call college. Um, I thought it was interesting how you pointed out um, that, you know, he was using Twitter as a suggest, but it's just the way the game is today because Absolutely. it's like you could, I mean, just, I remember Sean Payton saying, like, he tried to tell his players that you got to treat Twitter just like a press conference because it's literally you standing up there giving a view. And I think that's just what Drew did. I think he knew – I think Drew knew what he was doing when he stuck maybe play football in there. Like, I just think he knew what he was doing. That he, I don't know if he knew that every single channel would run with it, but I think he knew that would tickle people's fancy a little bit. Well, once you release this podcast and we get the uh... – headline that Drew's a new quarterback the Seattle Seahawks. You just have to call me back and we'll do this all over again. But I don't think that's going to happen. I, I do think this, though, you hit on a point that it's in my book. And of all the questions I asked Drew, he never re- he never got upset with anything I asked him because a lot of what I asked him, he either knew it was true or he knew as a leader of the football team he would have to answer it, right? But the one time he took exception to one of my questions, and I outlined this in my last chapter – which is talking about his future, ironically, and his yeah. broadcast future, was I thought for sure Drew would retire after that 2019 season. I really did. Yeah. And now, you know, if you talk to Sean Payton and, and some of the players, you know, they really had to convince him to stay. And there was some back and forth there after that season. And the crazy part is if Drew hadn't stayed, Tom Brady would be a New Orleans Saint. Yeah. That's a fact, too. Why, why I, like to remind, I like to remind my friends that in Tampa, by the way, uh, when they get all – uh, puffing the chest down here, but, but in any way, but I will say this, when I asked Drew, I said, listen, if you're going to go into broadcasting, you got to be critical of players, not only your former teammates, but guys you just played with. And he looked at me, he said, why? And I said, well, that's just part of the job. And he's like, well, I don't, I don't look at it that way. I think it's all in how you say it. And I think if you ask Drew after doing this for a year, it's the way you say it. Sure. But there's an art to it as well. And you got to find your comfort zone. I mean, I, Chris Collinsworth, to me, love him or hate him, does his job very well, does his research very yes. well. I think, he's, I think he's really good. I do, and too. I do there's, too. There's a, reason, yeah, there's a reason why he's been around so long. And today's generation, they have no idea that guy played. He actually went to my high school. And he was a fantastic uh, NFL player. But people obviously know him as a commentator. But the fact that he hasn't been relevant as a player for decades – but he's still the number one analyst just shows you that you have to be critical to make it in the business. That's so well said. And something that you, you said earlier is we, we live in an age where if you're not good the first year, like you're like, you're gone. Right. Yeah. And I think an interesting juxtaposition to the whole Drew Brees thing. And this is all, this is all my, my personal opinion is, it, you know, I think it was reported today or yesterday. I, I'm not fully up on Twitter, but that Greg Olson will be calling 
the Super Bowl with um oh I'm losing his name Um, Burkhart Burkhart thank you Burkhart yeah this year and I saw that and I was like I've seen a lot of and this is a lot of love of Rick Olson like as a as a commentator and like and I said it on Twitter like I must have missed like the boat or the train because like <laughs> I just personally just did not enjoy him as a commentator it has nothing to do with the fact that he was a division rival for years like just he didn't in, like I didn't feel like he was engaging as a commentator but now he's doing a Super Bowl and what his year two of commentating and it's very I get the sense that some of it is performance based but I think a lot of it plays into the public perception, right? The public perception of Greg Olson last year was that he was great and everybody loved him, even though, you know, there might be outliers like myself that didn't. So, and then for Drew's perception, whether it was right or wrong, it was Drew was not overly critical. He was quote unquote dull, things like that. And now, you know, there's the whole report of maybe him not returning to NBC. So public perception is such, plays such a huge part in the whole commentating broadcasting business as a whole, it seems. Yeah, to keep it Saint-centric, though, with Greg Olson, think about this. With Greg Olson getting promoted and the chances of Breeze coming to Fox, you know who a big loser is? Uh, Jonathan Vilma. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because Jonathan Vilma is a guy that was there before Greg Olson, Another new yeah. guy. And, and he's good. Good. And, and he's very good. So I think I would rather, frankly, I'm not, I'm just being objective here. Um, I think Vilma's better than Olsen in my yes. eyes. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And that's no bias. Like I literally, I love Vilma, but like, I don't care. Like as far as commentating, either I enjoy it or I don't. I don't care if I mm-hmm. love you as a player or not. He's really good. And I, I, I was happy he got the job because, you know, he would do the preseason games for a while. And I was like, man, they need to get Vilma during the regular season. And when they finally did, I was like, man, this dude's really good because he's so mm-hmm. passionate. And, you know, there's a kind of a balance you got to do where you don't get too technical and too in the X's and O's. And he's really good at, you know, being technical, but not overly technical and showing that passion that he has for football. Where it's just, if you see a good play, get excited. Like, we like that. Mm-hmm. We like you to get excited. I think that's what Drew kind of had to learn. Well, it probably took time for him. And he showed it in, when he covered Notre Dame where he would get excited about certain plays. And I, I think people wanted to see more of that, you know, in the NFL. Yeah, and, and I think the reason that, in my mind, he only wanted to do Notre Dame for a year were, were really two reasons, guys. One was because, you know, he thought hopefully, you know, with the contracts being up for Al Michaels and all the movement – that he would be elevated with Tariko. This is just me thinking, okay, I'm not quoting Drew on this. But the other thing is, man, when you do Notre Dame games and the NFL, you're away from your family from Thursday till Monday morning when you fly home. And Doug Flutie, who wrote the foreword for my book, who's Breeze's mentor when he first came in the league in San Diego, he went the similar path at NBC. I mean, he went, he went Notre Dame games. He called NFL games. So he knows the schedule. And he told me, he said, it's going to be tough on Drew. This was before <laughs> Drew even did a game. He said, it's going to be tough because you know why? He's going to leave Thursday for all these pre-production meetings. You have to talk to the coaches. You have to talk to the players. You call the game. Then you're doing the NBC in studio, or sometimes you're doing a game. And like I said, you fly home Monday. But on Saturday, his wife, Brittany, is going to be sending in videos of Balin and Bowen and all the boys uh-huh. playing seven-on-seven football that he's going to be missing. So I think in his mind, he's thinking, okay, you know what? Um, he's telling his wife, I'm going to do this for one year and then I won't have to do college and then I'll do the NFL. That's just, in, that's just my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And when it didn't happen, I really believe the mutual part of this thing is real. It's not that they didn't want Drew back. It's just, he didn't want that schedule again. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it, it's funny that you say that about Drew, but it seems like Tom Brady's completely okay with being away from, from his family the rest of his life. Yeah. I, dig- I digress. Um, in, in writing this book and, and interviewing Drew over the years since 06, as you have, what's been like one thing for you that's maybe stood out the most in getting to know Drew as the player and as, or, and as the person? I will say that in all the interviews we did, he never got upset with me. 
He never was short with me. He was always professional. But the thing that really stands out is he was always better after a loss than a win. And I've never really, I've never understood the hate with Tom Brady. I know people are jealous of Tom Brady, but to me, the big difference between Tom Brady and Drew Brees is how they handle losses. And I don't want to hear that, well, Tom Brady's competitive. You don't think Drew Brees is competitive? Drew Brees is every bit as competitive as Tom Brady. But when Tom, but when Tom Brady loses, you know, this guy's, He'll sometimes yep. walk off the field and not shake other quarterbacks' hands, other players' hands. He'll have a press conference where he'll answer 15 questions in a minute and a half, which means he's not answering the questions. When Breeze lost games, especially the big ones, the Minnesota Miracles, the no-call, he was better than the nights he broke records. A part of that is because he knew he was a leader on the football team, and he knew what he said mattered and it would permeate through the locker room. And Sean Payton, frankly, was the same way. Payton was much better after a loss than a win. The one point looking back at last season, I know we're talking about Breeze, when I thought Payton was just different, was when they lost that game in Nashville against the Titans, when they didn't play well, but they could have won. Simeon played decent down the stretch, and despite everything, they could have won, right? Right. Peyton was so short with us after that game. I hadn't seen that after a loss, maybe ever, as a, as a head coach. And I never saw Breeze like that. But that's the thing that stands out is that he never got rattled. He never got upset with me until I asked about that critical thing in broadcasting, which is kind of funny just looking back now, uh, you know, a couple of years later. But after a game, man, he was always he was always good, and he was better after a loss than a win. And you can't say that. Um, about hardly any superstar quarterback that I that I've covered in my life. It's funny. It's funny you mentioned Peyton though, because uh, last year it was after the you know, seeing him on TV during the, the Dolphins game when they had all those players out, mm-hmm. and then his end of the season press conference. Not not when he retired, but it was like you know after the last game. You know he gives his little. Monday morning presser, mm-hmm. and it was just different from any other morning morning, you know, after season presser that he's ever given, where they don't go to the playoffs or anything. And that was the first time when I saw that presser where I was like, is he leaving? <laughs> and I was just asking oh. him in my mind, like, is he leaving? Because he didn't talk about, like, the postseason. He didn't talk about, like, the next season, Senior Bowl. He didn't talk about, like, oh, we just got to, you know, we got to get team together. He just didn't talk about none of that. It was just very short and just kind of I'm about to get out of here type of deal. And so when he did retire, it was just like, oh, okay. Like, those were the tea leaves. But, you know, uh, uh, on a different note, with all the interviews that you did, um, are there any memorable ones that kind of stuck out to you over the years? I know, I mean, there's a ton of interviews, so I know it's kind of hard. But are there any that just kind of stuck out to you that you just never forget? You know what? I didn't know how it would work during the pandemic because obviously, you know, it was, you know, we, we got to keep more than our arm's length. We can't be in the same room yeah. with these guys. And we were wondering how it was going to work. And I think actually my um, network was m- more concerned about it. And I've talked to Chris Stewart, who's Drew Brees' marketing guy, who actually initially negotiated this whole deal with. And they were excited about the possibilities of how it would work on Zoom. But to answer your question, Ryan, my most memorable interview with Breeze was after a game he didn't even play in. It was when he was injured in his last season and Taysom started against the Atlanta Falcons and had that good game. And, you know, normally during his injuries, that was kind of a a rare moment for us because he didn't talk afterwards. He would only talk with us. So it was even a bigger deal that we had Breeze one-on-one, but the PR guys told me, Hey, is it okay if Drew goes home and does the interview from home? And I'm in the press box thinking, hell yeah, it'd be great. I'd be something different. So I was excited about it. So the funny part of the story is, you know, he dials up on the Zoom and he appears in his kitchen. And I started talking. I said, how about Taysom? You know, we're kind of talking about the game a little bit. And I said, are we going to do this in your kitchen? And this is Vintage Breeze. He looked at me. He said, oh, this isn't okay." I said, no, it's fine. And then he quickly goes into the living room. So he has a better backdrop like a nice couch, nice lamp. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. But to make it even better, I'm thinking, man, it's quiet. And I guess the boys were in the other room, but I think Brittany was right there. I couldn't see her, his wife, with their daughter, Rylan. 
and you can hear her as we're doing the interview in the background. Be quiet, uh, Daddy's doing an interview. But you can hear that while he's answering questions. And then at the end of the interview, you can kind of hear the Breeze Boys a little bit. And then it was like it was like it was choreographed. The family dog jumps in his lap for the last question, and <laughs> it was unbelievable, man. It was it was really really good. And then the next week, when you had that crazy game where Denver had a COVID outbreak, they didn't have a real quarterback. Oh, um, Breeze smartly is not in the kitchen, is not in the living room. He's isolated in his office, so yeah. nobody, including the family dog, are around. So I would say that one. And the night he broke the all-time yardage record when he let all of his sons stay up late, and they were behind the camera, and it was so late, and they were so well-behaved. And I, I looked at him at when we were closing the interview in the Superdome and I said, man, they've been well-behaved. Nobody can see him behind the camera. Let's bring the boys in. And I tell you, man, one thing that Drew is satisfied about in his career is that his boys will remember their dad playing football. Because I know talking to a lot of former players, you guys know this, the one regret that a lot of them have is that my kids don't remember me playing. I know talking to Lance Moore, he has, you know, three kids and he told me that they'll never remember me playing football, but for no. Drew, that moment and that night was huge. And obviously he had a few more seasons after that. So those would be the ones that stand out for me. Yeah. Completely different, different quote unquote sport. But I know like um, in wrestling, like Bill Goldberg, like he came back a couple, he's come back recently just mm -hmm. so his son could see him like wrestle in the ring. So mm -hmm. that's, that's the thing that athletes regardless have a thing about wanting their kids to see them see them play and kind of how they were in their in their peak and prime mm -hmm. um in our in our little Saints Twitter community especially for what we what we have in our discord community um for for people who have graciously donated um to our podcast uh we kind of open it up for for questions to the people you know um, with you being on the show tonight so I, I'm gonna ask a couple just i'm going to ask some from the questions we got from our our fans so we have our our guy g asked um could you see breeze potentially transitioning to to the coaching world if and when sean payton's come back come back to coaching either as an offensive consultant or a quarterback coach that's a great question you know in my book because I'm always promoting the book, guys, you know, it always it always comes back to the book. <laughs> well, Scott Shanley, who's a really good friend of mine, and we do a podcast together and we also oh. does work for CST. And here's the thing is Shanley told me a long time ago, he thinks Breeze would be a great head coach in the NFL. And in the book, I asked Roman Harper about it. I asked Lance more about it. They weigh in on on his prospects. So that's a good question. In my mind. I think Breeze is such a family guy and his kids are so young. And boy, if if calling games for Notre Dame and right. being away two or three days longer a week, man, when you're a coach, you're gone like every day. So yeah. I think his kids are too young. I think if his kids were older, it would be different. I think there's no doubt he would be a great coach. But I just don't see that happening just because he's he's in family mode right now. He really is. Yeah, and uh... One thing I always wondered, would he want to go like the Elway route? Like, be like yeah. a front office guy, even if not the GM, but just kind of that decision maker or part of the decision making where you see like guys like John Lynch, um, you know, Elway. You know, I think, you know, like, I don't think it would be crazy for Breeze, you know, to fit into that role, you know? Wouldn't it be funny if, you know, let's say, I don't know, five years from now, that you have three GMs in their name, Breeze, Brady, and Manning. It can happen, they're man. They're scattered all over the NFL, you know? I could see it. Yeah, I could too. I mean, I think you bring up great points. I think the great thing about Breeze, and Zach Streep says this in my book, and I believe it is, he's kind of all over the place right now. He's doing a lot of business yeah. interests. He's exactly. doing a lot of hobbies. He's doing a lot of things with his kids. He's in TV. And eventually he'll find his niche. I mean, he hasn't backed down from running for office. Um, I think everything is on the table, except I don't know about coaching just because he's in family mode. But I agree with you that when you're GM, um, maybe that's something that uh, he could graduate to down the road, like a John Lynch who called games on Fox for a while exactly. and just kind of, 
you know, had a good feel for the league and obviously has a great reputation, has an eye for talent. So I, I would see front office being in his future more than being a coach for sure. I, it's funny. I had, I'd never really thought about Drew in that role, but now that it's brought up, like it's kind of hard for me not to see it because I could easily see that being like a route or an option of something that he potentially would want to do. Uh, one question in, in, in the Discord that got asked, and I had to, <laughs> to ask it, um, is, and this is not just a Discord question, I think this has been percolating in Saints Twitter as like an urban legend for, <laughs> for years now, but the year that Sean Payton was suspended and Pete Carmichael were, was the offensive coordinator calling plays, it was, was Drew like just going rogue and just... <laughs> changing plays often or in when you know when the plays were called or was he sticking to sticking to the plays that were called I think it happened there's there's no doubt about it but I think also what helps is when you look at it that's what it'll be interesting to see with Jameis this year the whole dynamic with Ian Carmichael is you guys know this. I mean, if there's an antithesis to Sean Payton, it's Pete Carmichael in terms yeah, of personality. Yeah. <laughs> that is so perfectly said. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. It's just yeah. that's just the way it is. And, I, I've and talked it, about it a lot on here. It's true. It's just... <laughs> I mean, if 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 I, I even get the feeling that obviously Drew respects Pete Carmichael. They were together in San Diego for crying out loud before they were together in New Orleans. There's a definite connection there. There's a definite respect. But you know this, guys, and I'm just going to say it. If you work for a boss who's a hard ass, you're not going to break the rules as much as a boss that's not a hard ass. Mm-hmm. Does it's that make sense? Whole, it's, all, it's the whole thing in when, you know, substitute teacher when we were in school. Yes. So, as, soon as, that, <laughs> as soon as that sub came in, right. classroom is <laughs> acting a fool. Right. Right. I mean, it goes for really anything in life. I mean, uh, I mean, I, you know, that. I don't know. Some parents are stricter than others. You know, some parents of friends are stricter. You got to, you know, you just kind of acclimate to the environment. Yeah. And it's, but, person, it's personality too. Like, yeah. Sean Payton is the biggest personality in the room, pretty mm-hmm. much wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just a big personality. And mm-hmm. that's not Pete. And that's not, a, you know, a, to denigrate Pete in any way, um, because there's other ways to coach. You don't have to be a loud, boisterous coach to be a great coach. You know what I'm saying? So, Right. I mean, Pete could get it done any other kind of way, but it is just the dynamic of it that be interested in. And that's one of my major questions for this coming upcoming seasons is will Pete just be able to take hold of this offense and make him make it his? Because Dennis Allen, we know he's gonna he's a defensive coach. He's gonna, you know, be controlling the defense. Yeah, he's gonna look over the team, but he's looking for Pete Carmichael to really grab this offense and make it his. And it's really his time. It's a great opportunity for him. So I would really love to see him succeed. But it's just a question I have going into the season. Well, especially when it comes to adjustments, because that's where Sean Payton was so good, mm-hmm. really week to week, quarter by right, quarter. Right. And, right, you know, right. a, a lot of people talk about Bill Belichick changing the game plan during the game. I mean, Sean Payton did that. I mean, I, yeah. people – and Belichick is the greatest ever, okay? I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him. But sometimes people compliment – certain people and act like nobody else does it, which is not true. Maybe they just don't do it consistently as well. But in terms of adjustments, that's where I want to see it because there's no doubt that he's innovative and he can call a game. And But let's see, you know, if he can adjust with a quarterback like Jameis Winston, guys, that often tries to do too much. I know we'll delve into this probably, but my biggest worry about the Saints right now is what's going to happen with Kamara. Because if Kamara is suspended for a long time or longer than maybe some of us think, that to me is going to have such a domino effect, not only not having Alvin Kamara, but Jameis Winston thinking he's going to have to do too much. And when Jameis Winston thinks that, that's that's not good. It's not good for the football team. We've seen in the past, even though he's got the receiving core that's the most improved in the NFL, if you think that you don't have that running game and you got to do too much, I just, to me, that's the big question for the Saints this year. I know we're getting off topic, but no, yeah, no, it's, it's a big one it's, for me. It's a, it's a huge question for the Saints and something that Ryan and I have kind of talked about at nauseum on this podcast is, and maybe they'll address it in, in a way like getting a, a Daryl Williams, but something that Ryan and I have kind of been like, just like, pulling our head or our hair out of our head over is like 
we know that you know Alvin has this legal issue. He may get suspended six games at any point in the season. We don't know, but there hasn't really been and you know the running the backup running back position hasn't really been addressed. Like you have Tony Jones Jr. who I'd be okay not seeing Tony Jones Jr. play football again. Um, <laughs> love Mark Ingram as as a player, but I think Mark's Mark Ingram's days as a runner has, has seen better days. And so it seems like all the baskets are in the AK basket. Um, it, it you know still still off season there could be. A, a little trade there could be a, a free agent signing but it's kind of bare right now behind AK honestly yeah I mean I like their draft but I wish they would have drafted a running back just to have a guy there you know because Ingram just can't do it by himself and you know what maybe that's a good sign maybe they know something we don't that it's not going to uh-huh. be that bad that Ingram can hold the fourth down if it's a you know quarter of a season or something but uh and, you know, they had bigger needs, too, than running back. I get that, obviously. You're not going to do it too high. But, uh, yeah, to me, that's just the big the big question mark because you get Michael Thomas back, you hope he's, you know, close to the same guy that we last saw. But then you lose potentially Alvin Kamara. It just seems like this offense can't be full bore uh, because they keep losing guys for whatever reason. That's frustrating. So what do you have planned uh, this upcoming season, you know, with, you know, with your business, your uh... – television business and uh you know cst i mean you guys want to do like one-on-ones with Jameis or what do you got going on (laughs) well you know what right now we're still kind of working out what we're going to do next season um but i've been doing a fun series with the saints uh, the team itself a series called errands where we run errands with former players and we started with joe horn and if saints fans if you haven't seen it just go to youtube hit errands like you're running errands and saints it's also on all their platforms social media and their website but we just wrapped up our third season and i tell you one of the most enjoyable shoots i've had and we've done archie manning we've done morton anderson we've done colston uh a lot of a lot of big names we've done almost 20 of them now i did we did randall gay a month ago and he's an attorney now in baton rouge yeah it's crazy I i didn't even know that yeah, it, we just released it a couple of weeks ago, and what? Wait, what, a great, what? Excuse me? Did I yeah. miss this? He's yeah, he's an attorney, wow. and he took the LSAT. Um, and he asked Sean. He took the LSAT the year after the Saints won the Super Bowl. Had to miss mandatory workouts. Asked Sean Payton. Sean Payton immediately gave him his blessing. He and his wife graduated from law school from Southern University the same year. And what I love about Randall Gay is, man, that guy. He would have been fine without football. He was a gifted student growing up. He was a straight A student. Um, academics were always important to him. And of course, he had a great year, career at LSU, but he was undrafted. He's almost like, you know, a Forrest Gump existence. Then uh, mm-hmm. a lot of guys get hurt in New England. He starts and wins the Super Bowl. Could have won another Super Bowl, but they lost to the Giants. Then, oh, by the way, gets traded to or gets free agents, goes into free agency, signs with the Saints, wins another Super Bowl. But he's a, he's a lawyer now. He's a, uh, district attorney and he's really helping out that community a a great deal and i'll tell you the last one we're going to release in the next few weeks we just sent to the saints today is uh, i i spent a couple hours with willie rofe and we drove around and here's the line of it guys you know i'm uh i'm not the biggest guy in the world so i'm with willie rofe and we're driving around and i said willie how much did you weigh when you were born he said "Uh, i was nine pounds three ounces and I said, you know what, Willie? I was 10 and a half pounds when I was born. <laughs> so at one point in my life, I was bigger than you. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff we like to have fun with. I tell you, I, I, for Saints fans, they'll appreciate this. I'll give you a little tease. Willie Rofe obviously um, you know, didn't win a playoff game till later in his Saints career and talks about the Ricky Williams trade. And he kind of oh. huffed when I brought it up. But in this Aaron's episode that's going to be released in the next week or two, he acts, he tells me what he would have done if he was general manager of the Saints instead of trading all the picks for Ricky Williams. And boy, you'll love his answer. And oh, it would have changed the whole complexion of the Saints uh, back in 2000. So, yeah, I mean, we've done, I'd say one of my favorites is Roman Harper that we did. He really put oh. me to work. We went to Target, we went to a furniture store. I always made fun of his gray hair. We got a haircut. We did Jim Mora. It was so much fun. He embraced all the catchphrases, and uh, that Kate, was fun. Kate so, and Lewis. 
Keenan Lewis was great. Yeah, we bought shoes. We went to a barbecue place. Uh, um, I mean, there were so many that were fun. I mean, I haven't really, we haven't had one that wasn't fun, actually. They're all different personalities. And I mean, the fact that Archie Manning and Morton Anderson and Pat Swilling did it during the pandemic. I mean, we're driving around in a car with Archie Manning for two and a half hours in the heart of the pandemic. So it's, you know, what, what I will also tell you about in that series is, we just shot an episode with T.J. Garner Johnson in the last oh couple months. Oh boy! And uh, one of the errands, he didn't drive, but he wanted me to ride in his brand new Rolls Royce. <laughs> okay, and wait, he had wait, a driver. He had hold a driver, up. so wait, we had wait, to sit. Stop, we had to stop the, the press. Stop. Yeah, it. yeah. T.J. Garner Johnson got a Rolls Royce. <laughs> he has a Rolls Royce. Okay. I'm breaking that's, news here on the podcast. I haven't told anybody this. That's okay? the most. That's the most typical CJ signing thing ever. Like ever. <laughs> All right, you, you'll love this though. You'll love. I'll send you. I'll, you have to give me your number. I'll send you a picture. Um, <laughs> okay, so we're in the Rolls Royce. We had to put the GoPro cameras in the back because he didn't want to drive. And the Rolls Royce, when we're driving, he he throws on Instagram Live. Of course he does, because that's what CD does. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, uh, this was the best part of it, though, is, is he told me that he wants to switch numbers with Jameis Winston. He's like, Jameis needs to go back to his old number. He had better luck with that number and give me his number two. And I said, well, why don't we call Jameis? So he calls Jameis. We're on Instagram Live. Man, Jameis didn't answer. But boy, if he would have answered, that would have been TV gold, right? Oh, uh, gold. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, Mike, I, I, this is something that just in your career, anyone who may be listening to this, this podcast, we, you know, we, we do pretty decent numbers, but just if you just could just touch on how you got into your career, because I have a feeling that some of our listeners may be interested in, in that career path that they're already not set on their career, especially if they're younger, and just how you kind of got into your career and, and where you are now um, being able to do the things you are in your career. Well, I'm glad you asked me that because I started teaching. Uh, I got my master's degree three years ago because I wanted to teach in college. And I started Congratulations. Teaching. Congratulations Thank you. on that. And that, that, that damn thesis was harder than the Breezeway book. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh. All right. Um, so I started teaching in college because I wanted to help and really encourage people who want to get in the business because there's a lot of negativity right now. There's a lot of negativity because local news is not what it used to be. The newspapers are dying. But what I will tell before I tell you how I got in, anybody who's listening to this, I want you to know that the opportunities for you to get in the business are much greater than old man me 30 years ago when I graduated from the University of Florida. Look at you guys. You started a podcast. You have a great following. You couldn't do that 30 years ago. You couldn't. Nope. No point. That's a great point. If you have an idea and you're passionate about it and you're frankly aggressive about it, you can make it happen. You can. Um, I'll tell you, I have a joke that the first tape I sent out, and it used to be tapes, not you know links on internet. Before. <laughs> All right. That's how old I am. Um, it was Nagadoches, Texas, right? I know exactly where that is. You know where Nagadoches, Texas <laughs> yeah, is? Yeah, All right. Sure Stephen F. Austin. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So the sports director calls me and he's like, we want to hire you. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I would have gone anywhere. I didn't care. I was excited to go there. And so a week later, he calls me again. He said, listen, uh, they sent me a plane ticket. That's when they actually sent plane tickets to you. He said, uh, we brought some media consultants in and uh, they think you look too young. So we're going to have to avoid the plane ticket. I'm sorry. We're going to have to find somebody else. Fast forward 10 years later, I'm uh, working for Fox Sportsnet and I'm covering the NBA playoffs in Milwaukee. And we all have beers afterwards with the local media, me and my guys. And I met the guy who got the Nagadoches job. It was awesome. So wow. we're like we're like boys now. So when it's his birthday, he'll text me, or I'll text him Happy Nagadoches Day. And when it's my birthday, he'll text me Happy Nagadoches Day. So it's funny. <laughs> but but I, I, how I got in the business, I want to give you that backstory. After that, it took me a while, and I got a lot of no's. I got a, a lot of close yeses. I actually dubbed off thirty tapes, guys, at least, and I drove around the country. Um, from where my folks lived at the time, Tallahassee, Florida, I drove a big triangle in the middle of the country. I drove from Tallahassee, Florida to Minneapolis, Minnesota, 
to your stop, Lubbock, Texas, where a buddy of mine was in Midland, Texas. Two hours away from Lubbock. Exactly. He's still there. He's in Midland. He's my guy. (laughs) Um, So we did a big triangle. And out of that, I would call news directors a couple of days before I was in town. Hey, I'm in town. If you just give me five minutes, that's all I need. I just want to meet you, even though you, even if you don't have an opening. Most of the time, people met with me. I would say 80%, maybe 90% of the time, they would meet with me only quickly. And out of that trip, guys, I got my first TV job in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I was uh, a number three guy making 12 grand a year. Uh, I didn't see Alabama lose for about a year and a half because they won the national title with Gene Stallings. But that is an example of how there is not one way to get in the business. Mm. There are a million ways to get in the business. You just got to want it. Like you got to want to do a podcast. You got to want to do have be passionate about something. Um, there's no correct answer on how to get in the business. You just got to find a way. That's uh, that's very motivational because, you know, I mean, me and Adam, we weren't like these super, you know, ambitious podcasters or anything like that. Adam had already done the podcast. I had thought about it for a long time. And, you know, like me and you, like we had talked about before we got on here, you know, just do it. (laughs) And that's pretty much what happened. I think a lot of people during the pandemic, when the pandemic first started, they had all this time. And we were like, man, let's just just do it, man. Like, let's get Tony Pauline on here. And let's just do a podcast, put it out, see what happens. And we got like 100 listeners. And it was like, Let's do another one. <laughs> and we just, we've been doing it every pretty much couple times a week ever since. And it's grown, you know, exponentially uh, since. So that's, that's really motivational. And I try to tell people that even though I don't have any insider knowledge, especially with stuff like sports, man, like you just got to get content out there. It's such a content error, mm-hmm. video, TikTok, blogs, uh, just you name it. And one thing oh. that has amazed me you know, just being on Saints Twitter, you know, the past, I don't know, 12, 13 years, is seeing people that started out as fans, but now, you know, guys like John Hendricks over at um, SI and, you know, USA Today, you know, Dylan over at USA Today, Ross Jackson over at USA Today, Maddie, um, you know, watching Nick Underhill come down here, you know, as a just a nobody, kind of build something of his own down here. Kevin Washington, um, just so many people that started out as fans and just people that love football with the football sickness, starting to build their own brands and own little, uh, you know, own little content areas and become popular doing it, able to kind of live off it. It's just amazing to see when you look at the time, you know, the time we're in right now. And, and you, you nailed it. I mean, that's just the way there's so much negativity, but the people who are negative aren't the people who want to change. And mm. frankly, I'm not very active on, on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm an old guy. So um, most of my, my old friends are on Facebook and, and all that stuff. So I'm showing my age a little bit. Um, maybe on this podcast, I'll get some more Saints followers, but uh, I'm not as active as I should be. But here's the thing is I'm writing a new book now and I want to be a motivational speaker. That's, that's my big goal moving forward now. And I'm writing a book called Don't Quit, Pivot. And it's basically the way of the world. Now you guys know this, if you're passionate about something, maybe it doesn't work out, but I don't care if you're an accountant, if you're an engineer, if you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're a hairstylist, you're a CEO of a company, you may get laid off when you're 30 or 40 or 50, but we all have skills, man. We all have acquired skills, use those skills and couple it with your passion and you can create a new career for yourself. And Ryan, you just listed four or five people that have done that. Yeah. And it's, it's, you can do it. You got to put the work in. And you know what? Yeah. I, I interviewed a lot of former sportscasters from my book who are doing different things. And they echoed what you said. The first step is to just do it. Start yeah. doing it. Start creating yeah. content. Start doing, start liking the craft and you'll get better at it. Uh, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, you know, when I was years ago, it feels like years ago, it was the, the, the peak draft. So what was that? 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just had an idea at the time me and Nick Underhill were really good friends. And I said, you know, I don't think there's ever been like, and this is, again, this is podcasting that is still, and it's still infancy, I, I think. And, but I just had this idea of like, I don't think there's a podcast where you can 
that, that you have a super fan of a team and someone who actually covers the team together. And that was, that was the concept of the Saints Talk podcast, right? Of you have a super fan and my takes are the, the fanatical fandom aspect. And then you have the person who actually covers the team and that. And so that, in it just kind of, it, that was my first idea. And now Ryan and I do it and, and it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, you know, both Ryan and I have our, our full-time jobs, our careers. I love what I do being a social worker. I don't, you know, see myself ever leaving like that realm because I've, I felt like my passion and helping people and helping kids, but that aside, the fact that we can do this as a hobby, but it's an, it's not, it's, it's a hobby that we both thoroughly enjoy mm-hmm. um, and can provide content to to fans and saints fans of the like it's 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 great it really is great and kind of shows the the sign of the times the last question that i have for you is seems like you have and i obviously you have covered a plethora of sporting events and games in your career and in your life give me your top two or three games that you've been at and covered doesn't matter if it's saints related or not, you know, football or not, just what are the top three games you've been to? I tell you, I covered, uh, um, for me, what, what's up there is the, uh, NFC championship game when the saints beat the Vikings, just, just because it was, uh, such an ebb and flow in that game. There's so many times you thought they can't lose this game. Really with everything they got home field, you know, they have this great season. They can't lose. And then, and then the post game was the best moment of my career. Frankly, when Sean Payton for saints fans, who don't know this, Sean Payton used to have this white tent that was right outside the locker room where he would have family members or VIPs. You never knew who the hell was in there. Really? I mean, it was amazing the people that would walk out of there. But on that day, there's a cooling off period after the game. And Jimmy Buffett walks out of the tent. And I'm just trying to kill time. And he's holding a margarita. And I'm thinking, is this a, a dream or something? And I said, and I love a podcast because I can directly quote. This is in the book, too. But I said, uh, Jimmy, can I get you? He's like, shit, yeah, let's do it. So I, we took the margarita and I put it on the monitor. I'm like, I'm a big fan of yours. Let me, let me take the margarita. And that would have been enough, guys, right? I mean, the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. You know, I know I'm going to get Breeze. We know we're going to have to get players. But Jimmy Buffett was great. And halfway through the interview, maybe even only two questions in, Sean Payton comes up, brings the NFC Championship trophy, kisses Jimmy Buffett, and joins us. <laughs> if you go to YouTube and, and hit Jimmy Buffett, and, and Sean Payton and I guess CST, it's up there. It's still up there. It's unbelievable. Um, and that was before social media was kind of big, you know, so we couldn't right, right. like like we can right. now. But I just thought that game stood out. Boy, I'm trying to think. I tell you, man, I, I covered Florida's back-to-back basketball national championships. And before I covered the Saints, I, that was my first assignment with CST. And they said, you're going to cover Florida and you're going to cover LSU, and you're going to follow them wherever they go in the tournament. So uh, that's back to the uh, you better have other options in life because if mm-hmm. that's all I'm leaning on, they go down in round one, I'm like a professional gambler again. You can't, can't live that way. But they both make the final four. LSU friggin' beats Duke. Uh, Florida goes on this run, and then Florida wins it all. And then they win it again the next year. And that was, that was unbelievable. And I would think – I'm trying to think of another game. Because um, definitely that Minnesota game – I mean, the Super Bowl was great, but that Minnesota game with Buffett and that post-game show we had was oh, unbelievable. Man. I mean, it was it was crazy. Um, I'm thinking another Saints memory. I just think all the, the – you know what? I know Brady's going to have the records, but all the record-breaking nights of Breeze, man, just, just in the totality of all of them. I just think they were all just so special because he, they were records. I think the Unitas record was one I think he'll have for a while. Yeah. It was, it was, it was one of those records where, you know, you could, th- you could talk about today's game, the passing game and all the numbers guys are putting up, but that record's different because that record has, has been around for a long time. It's Johnny yeah. Unitas. Yeah. No, so the fact yeah, he that has he, it, he has it like twice, doesn't he? Like, <laughs> like, didn't he like, he broke it once, but then he surpassed 
either surpassed the record again. So he's like one and two on the list. I think Brady's up there at some point. Well, Brady but, had a had a, a, a rainy game that ended it because he was like a lot of these records was on his heels. I'll tell you something I haven't told anybody that when I did my last interview with Breeze, we were in a commercial break. You'll love this story. And I said, you know, we keep talking about all your records, but I think the one you're going to have the longest is that Unitas record. And he looked at me immediately. He's like, nah, he's like, Mahomes will break it. And, and, and I said, and I said, but then he's like, but you know what? I remember that game where the streak ended. It was that Thursday game against Atlanta. Yep. And, five, and five interceptions. Yeah, you know it. You know, yeah. so <laughs> so so Breeze remembers everything, like a lot of these quarterbacks. And here he's like, I should have hit scrolls on this uh, this little this little oh, pass. And he goes, you know man. what? If I would have hit that, I think he said he had a touchdown in like the next 20 games after that. That that record would have been so far out of reach, right? It would have been crazy. So, you know, he like a lot of things with Drew, he appreciates the good but he's hard on himself with the bad. I remember, I think it was the, the night he had the touchdown record or the yardage record. I think it was the, I think it was the touchdown record where he was like 19 to 20 or something. He had one incomplete. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. so hard on himself about that after the game that he couldn't really even enjoy the record. Cause he was like, <laughs> can you imagine if I would have gone 20 for 20 or whatever it was? You well, know? Like that is like, <laughs> you, you, we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, just about how, how competitive he is. Like, and th- I want to say this in the most polite way possible. Cause I think <laughs> every elite athlete is wired this way, but that is like some absolutely like psychopathic, that's how they are that's how Kobe Bryant was that's how Michael Jordan was you know what I'm saying every every single one of them were wired that way I know I know I said that that was the last one I had for you Mike but one you're fine man keep keep going keep going you you brought up you brought up the Mahomes thing so I have to ask this because you you were so close to Breeze and, and knew him so well if the Chiefs didn't trade up and the Saints mm. and Sean Payton drafted Mahomes, which I think like just like we talked about the Tom Brady coming to New Orleans and Drew wasn't back. We, everyone knows that Mahomes would have been the pick. How do you the, the sliding doors moment, right? How do you think that would have been for Drew? And and hypothetically, if if Sean Payton saw like in practice, you know, in practice Mahomes bench for you know on the bench for a year but like in practice he just saw that talent and just knew that he couldn't contain it any longer what and I know again this is a big sliding door moment a big like what if Mm -hmm. but like who what team potentially could you have seen Drew go to because at some point obviously Mahomes would have taken over the reins well I think the good news for the Saints is they don't get Lattimore but they get all the other guys in that 17 draft right (laughs) <laughs> so that would have worked out pretty well. I, I, I don't think it would have been quite an Alex Smith situation, but I think it would have been close. And we wouldn't have had the argument of, you know, is he going to retire after 2019? Mm-hmm. You know, he wouldn't be a New Orleans Saint in 2020. That wouldn't right. have happened, if not sooner. I think it would have taken a little longer than it took Alex Smith to, to you know, say goodbye to Kansas City and Andy Reid. But it would have happened sooner. I mean, this is a, you know, this is a, you got to win business, man. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, and I also think the difference between that and Alex Smith and Andy Reid is also the difference between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and Sean Payton and Drew Brees. They just had a different kinship and Sean Payton's a different guy than Belichick. I remember asking Randall Gay this recently in that Aaron segment, because Gay obviously played for Belichick and Sean Payton. And he said really the, the main difference, he played for Nick Saban too. And he really lumped in Belichick and Saban together. They're tactical guys. You got to be here. You got to be there. But Sean Payton's a motivator. He's a people Mm. guy. And because of that, which I thought was great perspective, I think he would have given Breeze every chance to stay in New Orleans. But obviously talent would win out. I don't see him staying. Oh, man. He would have been there 2017, 2018. But 2019 guys would have been interesting. And we know how Drew's shoulder – you know, it was getting yeah, worse yeah. and he wasn't the yeah. same quarterback. So I think 2017, yes. 2018, yeah. 2019, I'm not sure. I'm really not. And what's really crazy is all the what ifs if if he does go somewhere else, which he probably would have, you know? Yeah. You know, I, just, just the thought of it is like, oh, just 
the Jets or maybe, you know, Miami. Yeah. Um, ah, oh, my God. I just wouldn't yeah. want to see it. Yeah. Um, Crazy. I, I don't have any more for you. I really, I really appreciated you coming on. It was a great talk. I knew it would be. Um, I really, you know, enjoyed your coverage over the years. Thought you just, you know, just always handled yourself well as a, as a, as a media person, and you know, you always ask good questions and took time to get to know the players and have a little fun. But you always came with, you know, with the good questions that you know fans wanted to hear. So I just wanted to let you know we really appreciate that. No, I really appreciate you guys. Uh, continued success, and uh, you're an example of uh, if you have passion, you can really turn something into into a great outlet for Saints fans. And I know it, it continues to grow, and I wish you continued success. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. If So if you're listening, check out the Breezeway. Like Mike said, Father's Day is quickly approaching. Uh, if you're ladies, if you're listening to this, you got your fella, um, search the Breezeway on, on Amazon. Find it, a good Father's Day present. Um, in, key, in terms of just Mike's work, uh, the, please watch all his, his stuff on on YouTube in regards to the, the you know, Aaron show with the Saints and just, I, I, I've had a blast talking to you, Mike. I, I appreciate you so much for coming on. Uh, Ryan and I, again, thank you for our copies of The Breezeway. Please, please pick it up. And then something that I think I actually want to do, speaking of this, something I want to do for our Patreons is I'm going to purchase another copy myself. Um, and then raffle that off to a member of our Patreon group for someone so someone can receive it, you know, that are, that are uh, providing and, and, and per- contributing to the, to the podcast just as a way of us raffling off something, um, something that we're doing a lot more with this upcoming season. So thank you so much, Mike, for coming on. We truly appreciate it. Uh, it been a great, amazing chat with you. Uh, hey, I'll, I'll add this too. If uh, any of your listeners just tell me that they're listening to your podcast and buy the book on MikeNeighbors.com. I will sell it to them for $12, which is $8 off the price uh, currently that we're selling it for. And I, we're also going to put out an audio book. And oh, we're going to put a, a hard uh, cover book. Uh, hopefully both will be out for Father's Day. But if you go to MikeNeighbors.com, tell them you listen to your podcast. I'll send you an autographed copy for a uh, $12 discounted price. Hey, Mike, what's your, uh, what's your Twitter uh, at? It's uh, really easy. I'm, I, I beat all the other Mike neighbors in the world. I'm at <laughs> Mike neighbors, N-A-B as in boy, O-R-S. And I'm not as active on Twitter as I should be, but I know this podcast is going to get me over 2,000, man. I'm eight behind. Got to get me over 2,000. Oh, you guys easy, are going to carry me over, man. Easy. Uh, <laughs> that's that's, the, that's, that's kind the, of pathetic, actually. <laughs> The fact that you and I are, are, are as close as we are in followers. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Twitter, though, that I love is I'll never forget. Remember the night on NBC where Breeze picked the Saints and nobody else did? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like taking a stupid picture in the press box and just putting that out there and getting like, I don't know, five or 600 likes. And then I'll put like an errands with Randall Gay and it'll get like one like. Yeah, no. You know, I mean, it's, it's just that's just the way of the world. You know how it is, man. That, that's yeah, all, it is. That's that's all social media is. Um, so Saints Twitter, our listeners, you can't beat that deal. Um, so hit up Mike on Twitter and let him know that you that you are a hashtag Saints Twitter podcast fan and and get a copy of the Breezeway eight dollars off. And then I'm also you know we as a podcast are also going to raffle off an episode or tonight episode excuse me uh, a copy as well so thank you so much for coming on i'm i'm also confident that those those book sales are going to go up as well um so thank you again mike it's it's been a pleasure hey uh, continue success guys hopefully one day we'll meet in person but uh should be an interesting season and uh look forward to meeting you in person down the road we will be at the ryan and i are, are doing like a pod meetup for the entire weekend of the Raiders game, which is like ho- the Halloween weekend, so yeah. I, I, we're all going to be in New Orleans. So I'm sure we could we can figure something out. Let me know. Yeah, I have your uh, just send me your contact info. We'll keep in touch, and that would be great. I'd love to meet you in person. Hell yeah! So sounds great, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on. With that, we're out. Peace.
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.